Welcome to a podcast. A podcast? I'm Mitchell Regan, and with me as always, as you've already heard, is Teresa Stott. What's up, guys? A podcast is a passion project with Teresa and I, in which we explore our favorite things in pop culture, from movies to television shows, occasionally books. Art. Um, whatever we want. Whatever we would like. And why do we do that? It's, it's a podcast. It's our podcast, which yeah. she's referencing to herself. But I don't know why saying it out loud. You could have said it out loud. I wanted you to, I wanted it to be a call and response. Oh, uh, well, I kind of missed the call. Yeah. And the response. Okay. <laughs> um, Choose your podcast partners wisely, folks. Today is a podcast in which we will discuss uh, season two of Loki. Um, but get it, miss minutes. Yeah, there will be a <laughs> lot of miss minutes discussion. Um, but before that, did you want to discuss uh, what we did yesterday? Okay, so Mitchell got some tickets for being awesome at work to go see. Into the Spider-Verse played at the Dr. Phillips Center, formerly the Bob Carr in Orlando. And so we got all dressed up, ordered a $4 Dr. Pepper, which he had some of too. Normally he's not a Dr. Pepper fan, but uh, he kind of liked it. So that made me happy. Um, And then there was a live orchestra, and it was an all-female orchestra, Mm -hmm. so even better. And there was DJ Damage there. I uh, just want to shout out the orchestra's name. They were called the Broadway Sinfonietta. And do you have her name? No, uh, conductor. Yes. No, I don't. I don't remember the conductor. I feel name. like it was Emily something. I'll write it down when we have it. Um, she was phenomenal. It was, it was so much to like look at because you had the screen. Um, we did wish the screen was a little bit larger, but it was more than enough. Um, and yeah, we got to do kind of two of our favorite things together. So that was a really fun adventure. Apparently they have it for like Game of Thrones. And what was the other one that they had? Well, that's a different company, but I know the same kind of idea though. A little. Okay. Yeah. Same kind of idea. Well, I know that they like orchestras are making a comeback because of like they're playing a lot of video game music, and so like they'll have video games. I would game love playing. to go to a video game. They have, like well. uh, so Zelda is a really popular one. And I know there's also one where they do kind of the same thing, and it's like candlelight only. Um, I'll take your word on that. I'm not 100 percent sure. <laughs> um, That's what my ads on Facebook tell me anyway. I know that one that's supposed to be coming is um, the one, uh, Coco. Yeah, I do know that. Which I've still not seen because I was sick when you guys watched it. Yeah, it's really good. Really good. I was trying to see if I could find the uh, the name of the the conductor, but uh, the one that they list is Macy Schmidt. Because it seems like they have... Oh, here we go. Emily Marshall. Yay, I was right. Emily Marshall is the name of the conductor for the uh, Broadway Sinfonietta uh, Orchestra. I love... Female. And also they mentioned that they were mostly the majority women of color as well. Yes. And I really loved watching them as they were watching the movie too. Like, I feel like it made the experience a whole lot cooler that way. And I also liked watching DJ Damage go wicka, 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 wicka. Yeah, it was cool because they had orchestral setup. They had, I think, two violins, viola, cello, bass. The bass player also doubled on bass guitar. They had three percussionists, one on drum set, one on symphony, one on, like, auxiliary. Like Part of the time they had a keyboard. Yeah, the conductor also played keyboard. Uh, they also had turntables and electronic equipment for the for DJ damage and then as far as like um wind setup they only had brass 
uh, and they had two trumpets, two French horns, one trombone. That was their full setup. Uh, It was great. If you ever get a chance to see them in concert, I know it helps orchestras out plenty. Plus, you get to see the movie. It's a really great experience. Um, I have to write a thank you card to my boss because I was really glad that we got a chance to go and see it. Um, So, yeah, it turned into a little impromptu date night. We asked the kid, do you want to go? And he was like, "Eh." he ended up going to a friend's house instead, and he's still talking about it now. So I'd say everybody's a winner. Well, what prompted you to want to talk about Loki in the season was... Oh, yes. Okay. So in Spider-Verse, when they're outside of their own universe, universe. they start glitching. But in Loki, they start, start time slipping. But it seems like it's very much the same concept and like phenomena. And right. I kind of wanted to talk about that. So I'm going to go to a broader, broader approach. I'm going to try something different something different um just work with me i know you're, you're giving me this look like what do you mean by that i mean i'm gonna record the whole podcast backwards no i mean i want to try something just i'm gonna start with like broad questions and then narrow it down to specifically season two of loki so my question for you is especially someone who is uh, a storyteller someone who is who writes uh, for you know, for a living, that's what you you do. What do you think of? Because especially like we see this in Marvel, uh, DC is trying to do that. Oh, we haven't seen the Flash. I don't know if we ever will see the Flash movie, but there's attempts at it. Um, obviously, the Spider Verse is ripe with it. Um, uh, right now, Invincibles even going through this, and that is the idea of. Uh, multiversal storytelling uh especially prominent in the mcu with the latest spider-man movie um and then loki uh doctor strange what do you think about multiversal storytelling in general oh i love it because i think it gives the creators more um creativity and more story to draw on um something that comes to mind is everything everywhere all at once like the hot dog finger universe um the one where they're just a rock with little top bubbles um so i really like how it kind of opens that up and like sure in any one of these universes you could be anyone doing anything what do you think about some of the critiques of multiversal storytelling like things such as um that like stakes aren't as and by stakes I mean like I don't mean like everything has to be like a life or death thing, but you know, things when you tell a story have to have like consequences or like the choices that characters have to make. Um like the choices that they make have to have some sort of like overall consequences on either the universe or themselves. Well they generally do. Well I was gonna ask like because a lot of times, like with multiversal storytelling, it'd be like, oh no, our Iron Man died. So sad. And then bam, like, oh no, we just got one from another universe. Yeah, but that's not the same Iron Man. So I think it's still as impactful. It's good that you've got another one, but okay, it's it's still not your Iron Man. So you like the, the lack of limitations that a, a multiversal story can tell versus like some people. Now, I'm not saying that that's you. And or I love I. where they where someone's bad in another universe um who's generally a hero type and um like this has got like kind of the wheels turning with me like maybe i want to jump into the multiverse maybe i want my characters to do just crazy off the wall shit that i would be limited by if i stayed just in one universe you don't think that in any way like an audience member would lose interest in your character if your character like isn't bound by any type of restrictions whatsoever well it's not no restrictions like kind of like doctor who like there's different places they can go but but i mean if they're different universes that they can travel to then there's like almost no limit on the character whatsoever i'm just playing devil's advocate here i'm just i'm 
course you are. You're a white guy. You mean that in jest, right? Yes. Okay, I'm just making sure. No, I, I, I'm, I'm generally trying to generate, like, conversation about the topic. That's all. So, um, unless you want to drop it and then move on to the next thing, we can do that. Okay, uh, uh, we can move yeah. on to the next thing. Oh, okay. Say what you were saying. You didn't no. actually ask a question. No, I, I was just, <laughs> I was just asking, like, what do you say to the criticisms of people who? I say, fuck you, go watch something else. Okay. Like, if you don't like it too bad, there's plenty out there for you. Go watch John Wick. Like, oh no. Okay. I mean, I, I mean that's a fair, but I, I'm just saying, like, if you're trying to create, like, I'm thinking right now about like the the state of the the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and this may be another conversation, another discussion, which is like right now it's it's kind of like on life support. Well, I don't know about life support because they still have money behind it, as far as we know now. But there's a lot of people who, you know, they look at the vast. Um, amount of hours that they have to spend you know to understand what is going on in the universe and now with universal storytelling with multiversal storytelling a lot of people feel alienated and they're like well why do i have to focus so much on all these things when i know that there's a whole multiverse out there and it's it, overwhelming i think it maybe welcomes um some other people into the marvel universe multiverse because some people want to watch a story but they want to kind of have low stakes they want to know everything's going to be okay at the end of the day hmm. but yeah to that i say writers write for themselves it's the art of storytelling we would like our readers and our viewers to enjoy but if they don't we're well, still fine. We don't care. Well, artists do write for themselves, and I'm not arguing that like they don't want to. They always want to tell the story they want to tell. But if you want to appeal to like a massive audience, like Marvel does, do you think that like stepping too far into the multiverse will wind up like creating something that was like this big blockbuster event into something that just wind like becomes a uh, a marginal aspect of the fandom who's willing to sit through like 40 to 50 plus hours of like content in order to understand where the story well, is. Well, I feel like that's where it really started bringing it from comic books to movies. Oh. So it was a smaller cross section of the population. They got so big that basically everyone's probably seen at least a little bit or know the characters. Um, I feel like it's getting kind of like the zeitgeist level. Zeitgeist level. Um, I see what you mean. My only argument against that is, yes, they did start foundationally with like comics spanning over 60 years before they really, you know, released a movie and decided that this movie would be a continuation of other movies and an entire universe. Like, the biggest thing that Hollywood has ever amassed from, like, a storytelling perspective. But, like, I'm thinking about the origins when, like, Iron Man started. That's the character they started with. They didn't start with, like, Galactus or, like, they didn't start with Kang or they didn't start with Thanos. Like, they started with someone who was rich, who had daddy issues, you know, who built uh, a suit in a cave. And then, um, obviously, from there, it went to, like, gods and everything. But what I'm saying is they started very practical and then expanded, you know, as practical as you can get with an Iron Man character. But, you know, um, my thing is, you know, people who probably started and was like, oh, yeah, I can imagine, like, oh, superheroes are cool. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, but that there are universes where these people are bad when they're good and these people are good when they're bad. People start to, like, sometimes lose track. 
So uh, I guess I really don't have much of a question other than. Well, I also think that just it's totally possible that there's people right now out there that are us discussing this in a different way. Like it's it's a realistic idea. Multiversal storytelling is a realistic idea. Multiverses, yeah. How? Why do you feel that it's a realistic idea? Do you, okay, here's a, here's a question for you. Do you believe in, like, um, multiversal theory? Sure. Like, there are other parallel universes where you're doing other things in other universes. Yeah, maybe not you, you, but someone just like you. Do you think you will ever have the ability to travel to those universes? Oh, we may, but I feel like it'd be one of those things where you don't get a return trip. So it would be very, like, one way. Am I realistic? Now, it wouldn't, like, would I want to travel there? Eh, probably not. I'm good here, but I like the idea. Um, For, like, a realistic approach, I'm talking more about, like, you can imagine it happening today. Um, Would I be shocked if another me came here and was like, I need your help? No, I wouldn't. I would be fine. I would just run away. I'd be shocked. Um, so going into now, like a deeper discussion on to season two of Loki. Um, this season, uh, we got a couple of new characters. A couple of characters also kind of have an expanded role. Um. So for one, I want to bring up um, our buddy Kihu Kwan from another multiversal story, which was uh, Everywhere All at Once. Um, we also have, uh, continuing along, uh, I think Eugene Cordero, who plays... Um, the other analyst at the TVA, who's also from The Good Place. Uh, there's also Raphael Casal, who played, that's a new character, who's one of the hunters that uh, winds up getting a second life as an actor. Um, and obviously, you know, the same. There's Tom Hiddleston, who replies, I think now he's on his like second decade. Of playing Loki. I think he said he was like 26 when he started playing him. And now he's in his 40s. Um, you have Sofia DiMartino. Who plays the Loki from another universe. Um, you have uh, Wunmi Masaka. Who plays Hunter B-15. Um, and then obviously you have uh, Owen Wilson. Who plays Mobius? Uh, also, in a couple episodes, you have Tara Strong, who plays Miss Minutes. Jonathan Majors, who plays Kang and some of his variants. We'll talk about that in a second. Um, do you want to talk about overall thoughts you had with the show, or do you want to wait to the end? Do you want me to discuss the plot first? You can discuss the plot first. Okay. Are you all right? Yeah. Okay. Um, so, this season, um, started off with, like, right after, um, um, the Loki from the other universe, uh, Sofia Martino's Loki, uh, she kills, um, he who remains, which is Kang. Um, he is then forced, uh, Loki is forced through a time door. Um, and no one recognizes who he is, but that's because he realizes later on that, um, he has been thrust into a different timeline. 
and therefore you were introduced to the concept of time slipping. So he Which uh, is like the glitching in Spider Man. Yes. Um so for the time slipping that occurs, Loki goes forward and backwards through time within the TVA. So at first he uh meets Mobius and B fifteen when they don't know who he is, and then he goes forward in time through time slipping that he cannot control. Um and he is uh trying to warn them about he who remains. Um that's when they eventually meet Obi, who is played by Kihu Kwan, who tells him about time slipping. And then we have the MacGuffin of all MacGuffins, the um time loom or the the thing keeping all the timelines in place has broken because of all the releases of all the other time streams because of he who remains timelines they had been pruning timelines but because he who remains has died all the timelines have now been released because that means all that kang's um variants have been released um so that is pretty much what 90% of the plot is centered around uh, finding a way to restore the uh, time the time loom. So um, their first idea is they want the, the first thing is they need to find Sylvie, who's uh, the Loki from the other universe. Um, once they find her, they uh need to find the uh which she is working at McDonald's and what seems like the Earth nineteen eighties, like the mid eighties. She has the perfect lesbian haircut and style, those boots, ten out of ten. <laughs> Once they find Sylvie, um they discover that they need to go and find one of uh, King's variants named Victor Timely. Now, this is uh, a very interesting performance done by Jonathan Majors. And I is it as interesting as the Miss Minutes performance within the same episode? <laughs> I don't know, but the the stuttering, the 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 constant needing to, you know, before saying anything. The I work alone. Yeah, just an odd... Like, I understand some actors trying to go for it because they want to show how different they are than other actors, but this is kind of an odd choice, along with maybe the horniest AI in the history of AI with Miss Minutes. I don't know. Miss Minutes could get it. Uh, she was like, give me a real body. I want a body. I want to be your girl. These are lines in the episodes, guys. We're just looking like, what the fuck is happening right now? What? Yeah, it winds up becoming the weirdest love triangle in the history of all time between Renslayer. And that's in a multiverse, okay? No, this is in one universe. No, I know, but... Uh, between Renslayer, Miss Minutes... And Victor Timely, who's just like, what the hell is going on? So they finally bring Victor Timely into the TVA. Um, and then uh, they try to suit him up and get him all ready to go. And then uh, a sad thing happens, you know, when you're trying to stop all of time from running out, um, time runs out. And then we're left with uh, Loki having to find, um, kind of put the gang back together. Yeah, he had a lot of like solo work this season, which I really liked because he's so comfortable in that role that like he's at home there. Yeah. Like at this point, Tom Hiddleston has to be at least fifty-one percent Loki. Oh, for sure. For like sure. maybe seventy-five percent, but you know. But he tries, he goes and finds all of his friends. Now, do we know if that's a role he wants to keep? Like, does he want to be old man 
and low key, or I think because like I can't imagine him surrender surrendering that role while he's alive. Um, from interviews I've seen, uh, and like sentiments that the actors expressed, and the way that the show has ended, which we'll discuss in a moment, it looks like that this is kind of, was his swan song. Like he is very happy with the way it ended. This was his. Is this the last we'll see of Loki? Do you think, or I mean, we've been talking about this since like the second Loki movie. I mean, the second Thor movie. Well, I know he's died a lot. He has died a lot, with lots of people saying, oh, "There's no way you're coming back." That just means you're coming back. But I think just again from because he hadn't done interviews before with this kind of finality attached to it. Now, is it possible that we get Loki as like, hey, here's a fun little 10-minute cameo, or like, like, oh, here's Loki in this one thing. Yeah. But like, I would say Tom Hiddleston as a main character playing Loki, in my opinion, is done after this. I'd be really interested to kind of see what he does after this. And I want to see him like, James Bond. I mean, yes, but can he be James Bond after this? He can be, be anything. Cool. There's a real push to to have him be James Bond. I wouldn't be surprised. I want him to be like kind of a a greasy, sneaky, sexy Sherlock. So, like Loki as Sherlock. Yeah. <laughs> um, I like to see him try something completely different. That's why. That's why I think like um. So what's your ideal role for him to take on next? I said it like three times. Like James Bond. Okay. I'd be really it'd be really interesting to see him. Uh because like he is extremely charismatic. Um and it would be really cool to see him just like as an international spy kind of situation. And all the cool cars. Right. I feel so like I'm hoping he so would well. have Bond girls and Bond boys. He's very well, much a bicon. Uh, it's very famous in the first season. They really explained it that much. They ever expounded upon it in this season. Um, but he is canonically within the MCU bisexual. Um. Yeah, he's that hot. Like, it's not enough to it's just not, have. I'm not just being hot, but it yes. Is. Okay. <laughs> I'm sure that that's exactly what bi people will tell you, too. Um, I am a bi people, so... You're all the bi people? Yes, every bi people. Okay. No, but I'm one bi people. <laughs> um, but anyway, like I was going back to what I was saying earlier, uh, finishing out the rest of the season, um, he finds, and maybe one of the coolest episodes the show's done, all of these, all of his friends from the TVA on different timelines, like Casey is, a tra- is escaping Alcatraz. Uh, we finally see Mobius with his uh, jet skis, and he has two kids. Um, Hunter B-15 is a doctor. Um, and then the only other person that recognizes him, uh, Ki Kwan is a best-selling author for fiction. Or he's a struggling author, I should say, but he's also a physicist. So he's an author. <laughs> yeah, he's an author. Um, the only person that does recognize him when he goes to the, visit their timeline is Sophie. Um, Sophie, you know, is like... He was shocked. Finally gets him out of... Finally, finally gets him to admit what he really wants, which is just to have friends. That's all Loki wants. That's such a human thing. Yeah. Like, you God. think that you can do anything, but, like, if you're alone completely when you do it, it really takes the wind from beneath your wings. So, after finally admitting it, um, he gathers them all together uh, to try to see if there's a way to stop it. And um, there isn't. Everyone starts getting erased. And then he finally is able to control his time stopping, his time slipping. And then enter in maybe one of the best hours in all of the MCU, um, at least in my opinion, with the last 
last episode, Glorious Purpose. That was stressful. Um, Which is kind of what we really, really love in a finale or in yeah. an episode of something. If we're stressed the entire time, guaranteed we're going to enjoy it. And this is why I feel like this is a send-off for the character. Um, so it starts with Loki um, trying his best to get Victor Timely to be able to stop the time loom. Um, he goes back in time over and over again. Shenanigans ensue. And then he decides he's going to learn everything that uh, Kihu Kwan's character um, um, Ouroboros knows. And so that takes centuries later. And then with all that knowledge, he tries setting up Victor Timely, uh, um, which they still fail even after getting him all the way through to fix the, the loom, which sends us back to the conflict that happened at the end of season one, uh, which sets up maybe one of the greatest, like, I don't know, like double blind parts ever when uh, he who remains stops the fight and goes, you know, is this the first time we're having this conversation? And then they talk about the decision he has to make, which is either kill Sophie, Sophie which you know Loki can't do, or um, kill Sophie, by the way, and also only have one timeline, or have Kang be killed and everything is destroyed. And those are his two options. And Loki goes, is this the first time we've you've had this conversation with me? And just the realization on... That's kind of a remains, baller move. He who remains face... And then the realization that Loki decides that he must pick door number three. Um, in which they're it's so great because there's this whole conversation and they kind of this whole wonderful three not even one eighty degree with the character, but three sixty degree character, which Loki is a character who starts out like wanting to be the king of Asgard. He wants to he He, he started off very one dimensional, very like, I'm your bad guy, but he's not so easy to understand. Right. He doesn't even really know what he wants. And it's just kind of the journey is, like, finding himself in, like, kind of coming to terms that he does want that human connection just like anybody else. And one of the things I'd love to do is go back and watch, like, parts of the MCU. Anything that includes see, Loki. And see the development of his character and see how they ended up the way they did. Um, one of my favorite parts with the time slipping is him going through and kind of re-litigating his life and what it means to have glorious purpose that he feels he's burdened with. Um, and it ultimately uh, culminates in this beautiful choice where... He decides to sacrifice himself for um, his friends to get the life they want. His friends, so that everyone is able to still maintain their timeline, and he's the only one that's able to do it. Um, you know, he tells them that this is the only choice, and he knows it's the best for everyone. Um, it's also such a beautiful connection. So what he does is. He goes out, he says, screw the loom, I'm destroying that shit. He picks up all the timelines, and I love the way he does oh, it. Oh, it's gorgeous. Where, like, it's it, it's just, he picks up one branch and it turns green. He, like, squeezes it to make it turn green. And then, um, while during this process, um, he changes from the, the, the suit he wears at the TVA to the the Asgardian where he gets he almost as horny as Miss Minutes. <laughs> um what? Oh with the horns on his head. That was good. That was good. The um, second. It definitely did. We did miss our favorite though. That? Our favorite Loki. Oh yeah, Croaky or yeah. Alligator Loki. Yeah. Um Imagine he finds that's the only one left and they just spend their life together. Yeah. Well, what I think is also beautiful um, 
um, uh, about um, the way his story ends and the connection to Norse mythology is Loki is not only the god of mischief and adventure, he's also the god of stories. And him being the one that ties up all the timelines together. And he's the one. So honestly, at the end, it becomes Loki's he who remains. Exactly. He is the one who remains. He replaces Kang. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't have the nefarious... And he finally gets his throne, but he doesn't want that throne. Yeah. But he does it because he wants to save his friends. And it's also like that sense of duty, like a good ruler would do that. His glorious purpose. Yes. And not only that, what I think is beautiful is, and I'm going to show you an image here, and anyone who doesn't have this, I really would I really recommend you looking this up. When he ties all the timelines together, it's not the steady beam that refracts light to create the loom. What it creates is, and I'm going to pronounce this wrong, but the Yggdrasil tree. Oh, the tree of life. Well, it's the tree of life in um, Norse mythology that also connects all of the realms to um, I actually want that as Asgard. a tattoo. And so not only does it connect all the Asgardian realms, here's one actually, I found it as a tattoo. That right could here. actually be, ooh, um, that could be the episode cover art. That would be cool. So that they could look around and see that. What I also absolutely love is if you think back also when we're talking about the different uh, infinity stones. Obviously, time is one of those. Yeah. And what is this? The color that's associated with the time stone. Green. Green. That's cool. It, which it's so cool because I feel like the writers, who uh, I want to give a shout out to, because I think, especially with the finale, they did such a great job tying it up. Uh, we had Eric Malt Martin working on this season. Michael Waldron. Um, and then the directors, uh, Justin Benson, Aaron Moorhead for this episode, just uh, beautiful, you know, tie in, ties up the character wonderfully. Um, and now, do I think that there are some holes in this season? Do I prefer season one? Personally, yes. I I enjoy the adventure more with season one uh, because I feel like... Also they... the slow building of their friendship. Yes. Where they're both You're kind talking of about more relu- Mobius, Mobius and Loki. Loki. They're kind of like reluctant to start that friendship because they can't really trust one another. Right. But they realize at some point, like they're the only ones they can trust. Right. Yeah, I feel like in a way that my personal feelings on this season was there was a lot of like stretching. This was more. Um, was more what? This was more plot based versus character driven. Okay. However, it showed the payoff of the character's growth from season one. I feel like that they started with the end of this, knowing how it was going to end. Yeah. And I feel like Disney said, "I want six episodes." And they really zoomed out. They really only had material for about three. And they really stretch some of those timelines, some of those Victor Timely moments uh, until they can give Disney six episodes. Uh, so that's why I think this season, in my opinion, is ultimately weaker. But I think the send-off of so this... So you would have rather seen this as a miniseries? Like maybe a three-parter? Maybe, yeah, a three-part miniseries or even a movie. Yeah. They used to make those. Um... But I really like the send-off for the character. I really like the way they tied everything in to where, like, he's the one who remains now. Um, And this really, if the MCU is smart, it really resets the Marvel Cinematic Universe 
to go in any direction they want to. Um, they could still explore Kang, but there's been a lot of rumors that they're going to try to do something different. Because you could argue that with the way that this show is wrapped up, that they could go in a different direction because he does, in a, in essence, beat Kang. Um, but yeah, what are your feelings, thoughts, or anything on the show? I've really enjoyed the show. It's a fun part of our week. Um, Do you have a preference between season one or two? I really think they're so different, but I will say that season one kept my interest more. Mm. I feel like it was a little quieter, a little more intimate. Um, and then with this one, maybe a little less so. Um, yeah, because it felt like in the first season, it was much more, like you said, a character study between the two friends, between Mobius and Loki. And this one, it felt like that the world was blowing up every episode. And he may be a trickster god and sometimes viewed as evil. But he's a very, like, gentlemanly sort of, like, this was not toxic masculinity. Right. Kang is toxic masculinity. Sure. The conqueror. But, um... Manipulator. And I kind of like how we're talking about this. We're just kind of using Into the Spider-Verse. Like, we'll get into the plot of it another time, probably. But, like, as far... This um is Miles' origin story. Whereas we're wrapping up and ending Loki. Right. Yeah, well, I mean, like, the end of the Spider-Verse is another type of multiversal storytelling, but it's one that showcases an origin story instead of ends one. Yeah. Um, and the way that they show glitching with those characters is it's more about being in the wrong place than being in the wrong time. And for Loki... That's um, more about, you know, being able to find. And, and he, he discovers, much like Miles, um, that it's the people that gives him the power yeah. to um, switch between time. Just like it's the people that gives Miles the power to be the Spider-Man, you know, to put on the mask yeah. to become the superhero. Well, like he was watching that... Um heartfelt speech after the original Spider-Man died and it's like we're all Spider-Man and he's like yes I am like I've got this and the guy next to him was like I don't think that they were talking like specifically you more of a metaphor but no but that that becomes the through line in the movie yeah. is you know uh, sometimes your costume it takes a while but you eventually fit into it thank you Stanley that was such a sweet little cameo. Yeah. Um, what am I going to say? But yeah, that, that really... Um, there's not really much to wrap up. I, I want to talk a little bit about kind of the state of the MCU. Um, and then I think that will wrap up a discussion overall. And that is just to say, like, where do you think... So the Marvels came out. Uh, we have to see it yeah, eventually. We have to go see it. Um, that has nothing to do with universal storytelling. At least I know, as far as I know, more universal storytelling. No, it's more of like where that power is drawn from and the connection that people have together, which is a really interesting idea. I haven't really seen that sort of like when you do your power, it, it immediately transfers to somebody else. Talking about the, the power that connects Miss Marvel, I guess, Monica Rambeau, who is theoretically supposed to be Spectrum, and Captain Marvel, how they all like manipulate energy. Yeah, but they all do different parts of it. Right, one can create So I'm it. guessing really one the can... whole part of the movie is them learning to work together. Right. Which is a really good thing because society tries to pit women against each other so much and now they'll be working they're on the same side they want to save everybody well <laughs> talking about you know unfortunate areas of society that we wish would have uh improvements 
Uh, I don't know if you've seen some of the stories that have come out about the marbles. Um, I can imagine fanboys are pissed. Well, the uh, neck beards, <laughs> captain sweatpants. It unfortunately is what the biggest um, flop in MCU. Um, excuse me, I think we know what that is. What? Secret invasion. No, no, no. I'm talking about from a from a financial standpoint, where it took over two hundred and forty million dollars to make, and um. It has only earned $47 million. Um, which I mean, like, you know. But it's also it people happens. are going out to see it in the same way as a. Like, I feel like people are counting this as a real Marvel movie. Yes. I don't know. How I know. You wouldn't. But... That would be crazy. And, and, like, as much as I want to point it to the misogyny and stuff like that, the original Captain Marvel movie. That came out before Endgame did made over a billion dollars. So there is definitely superhero fatigue. There's there as far as I've read, there's a lot of I I have to see it before I really make a judgment. So I won't I won't sit here. It's supposed to be the shortest one, um, the MCU has ever done. But um, my question for you is, um, especially someone who's more of like a casual observer. So maybe reads like a headline or two, maybe like a month, and like watches the movies with me. Where do you think after Loki, uh, the MCU is going? I really don't know. Well, if you were like, let's say, someone who podcasts, and you had to come up with an a less that's my response. You had to come up with something. Well, we did get a brand new Guardians of the Galaxy team set up. So I'd be interested to see where that's going. Okay. Um, I'm trying to even think the last Marvel movie I saw. The last Marvel movie we saw was, I think, Guardians 3. Yeah, so at the end of that, that's kind of got us poised to... Um, so, at this stage, Iron Man is dead. Yeah. Captain America is black. Um, Thor has a daughter. Um, so, yeah, I'd like to see Thor and his daughter. Spider-Man is somewhere be- swinging between the Sony and Marvel Cinematic Universe. <laughs> we don't know what's going on with him. Black Panther, Shuri is Black Panther. I'd be very interested to see that. Um, I'm not so interested to see all the water people, though. Really? I thought that was one of the best parts of the movie. I thought it was cool, but like I'm kind of done with them. Unless they're fully underwater. So I, I really love... like Namor. Namor is such a cool comic character. He's like what Momo wants to be, I feel like. Yeah, that's that's true. But I think that the actor they have playing him is much better than Momo. Well, you know awesome. I'm not the biggest fan of I know, Momo. I know. Going on. Going on. Uh, so... I mean, nothing against them, though, except for it's like, yeah, I like working girls. We still have Shang-Chi. Yeah, um... Uh, Shang-Chi, we have... Did we ever finish, um, American Born Chinese? I don't think we did. Nothing to do with the MCU. Not the MCU? It's Disney Plus now, so... Oh, okay, well... Yeah. Still a good show, but I mean... Yeah, I just didn't... Yeah, no, it's not part of it. That'd be cool, though, but no, that's not. Um... Well, it's the same... Disney Plus. No, I know, but like, it's like an origin story. Yeah, but that one's more like your Saturday morning martial arts movies, like from like the eighties and like the seventies and eighties. Um, so we got Shang Chi, we got Captain America. I don't know what happens after the Marvels, but I'm assuming we get at least Miss Marvel. We got. Haley Steinfeld as um, Hawkeye. Oh, yeah. Um, we got. I really enjoyed that. The show. new Guardians team. Uh, so, do you think that the next movie 
uh, are we gonna? So I guess it comes goes down to this. We know that uh, this is the last thing I'll say before we wrap up. Disney is has purchased X Men and purchased Fantastic Four. I know that's ago. where you're hoping they go. Um, we just this week heard that uh, Pedro Pascal is going to play Mr. Fantastic. Yes. Can they get Bella Ramsey too? That would be amazing. Um, I don't know how that would happen. I don't know either, but hey. Um, I feel like they're besties. They're going to have Vanessa Kirby, I believe that's what it is, play um, uh, the Invisible Woman. Honestly, at this point, it doesn't matter what they do. They're already making all the money. They it's, not as much, and it's really it. They're starting to feel the tightening. There's been issues with like productions on Blade. Um, there's been there's this great variety story, um, that came out that just talked about a lot of this. There's also Joanna Robinson who wrote this book that I really want to get. Um, Is that the podcast girl? Yes, she's one of the ones on uh, House of R and also the. The Ringer. First, yeah, on the Ringer Network. She wrote this book, book about called The Reign of Marvel's of Marvel Studios that uh is really good and she wrote it with um one of uh a couple of people through Marvel and through that book like talks about some of the, the what if cast like possibilities with casting and how like a lot of their success really was like just real luck like tying everything to Robert Downey Jr. and it, it working out instead of it being a major failure. Do you think he'll ever reprise the role? Or he owns well it? that is one of the big 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 stories to come out in the last month through that Variety article is they're talking about you know resurrecting Robert Downey Jr. and have him playing Iron Man oh. and Chris Evans. Well this this is the this is the issue that happens with multiversal storytelling is characters can't truly ever be dead because they could just take them from other universes. And I know you could just recast it, but you know, because people love Robert Downey Jr., they don't want to see it recast. They don't I want know, a but different then you one. Get over it because that's giving somebody else a chance to play. I hundred percent agree with you. You know who would be actually really funny? To play that, because like he, you wouldn't think about it, but I really like his acting chops. Is Andrew Garfield? I know he's already been Spider Man. Yeah, but I—I I would be interested to see that. Um. So, um, with all that being said, there's Fantastic Four rumors constantly about. It's never been one of my faves. Um, I think if they do it right, where it's like more family drama focused, it'll be really, it would be really good. Plus, uh, you have Galactus, you have the Silver Surfer, X-Men, I love X-Men. Only if they let Evan Peters do it. That is a different character. Oh, Silver Surfer. Silver Surfer is different than Quicksilver. I know that sounds really similar. Um, and then you have the X-Men. Which that's what I really wish that they've been doing um, since Endgame, um, and it seems like that they really tried opening their box of toys and seeing like, oh, let's try to do the Eternals. When everyone's just like, what about all those like really cool cartoons in the '90s that everyone loved? Why don't we just do those, but like in live action with the money that the MCU can do? You know. Anyway. I digress. My thing is, I think that the next, I think if the next, if one of the next three movies, movies, mind you, not shows, the next show, next Marvel thing we're going to get is Echo. And Echo looks cool. That was the character from. Oh, the blind one from Hawkeye? Deaf, but yes. Yeah. Um, um, And. Uh, she's like an indigenous person uh, member. Her father is yeah. the great um, the guy who was on 
And that's Kingpin, right? Yes, Kingpin. But her father, like her father, not the person who raised her, but her father is the guy who is on um, Reservation Dogs. Big. Remember he's he was there for like I forgot. five minutes. Yeah, he was. So I'm hoping that they use him. Um, I feel like they could do a really good Kingpin plot just based on his character. Oh yeah, hundred percent. And I hate Kingpin, but like in a good love to hate him way. Right. Um, takes up the whole screen, which is just obnoxious. Like, fucking move over, guy. You know that in those um tests when girls just stop, they keep walking. And guys don't move out of the way. He would just like run into them. Yeah, he's an interesting character. He also killed Spider-Man with his hands. Just punched him to death. Yeah. Um. So that's the next thing we're getting. But I think in the next two movies, uh, so I say next two or three movies, if one of them does not incorporate either the Fantastic Four. Or X Men, I would be a hundred percent shocked. Yeah, because I think that it's now. It's not that they should be panicked because they still have a lot of money, but it is worrisome that every single thing that they've done has gone lower and lower, and there's such a backlash to where it was. Like, well, I think it's also the level that they breached. They're 100%. pretty much higher than everything else. And I guess once you're as high as you are, you I feel like it's fall. almost kind of like an Amazon way, where they don't mind if they're losing money as long as they're top dog. Except I think now that they're minding that they're losing money. Because, um, yes, Amazon is very much like, why don't we do football? Who cares? Like, why don't we do this? But I think the fact that Disney is so centered around the, like, entertainment and like the the goodwill it's bought by having such good stories, and then now you have this, you know, trouble where they're struggling to get over a hundred million dollars in an opening, and that never happens. Um, so I think that they're, pro- I would be shocked if the next move isn't one of those bigger franchises. I would really like to see X Men. I would love to see X Men. I would like to see Kingpin fight X Men. Yeah, I would love to see X Men in a like. Now, are you wanting full Marvel Cinematic Universe, or do you want like a movie, or would you like a show on X Men? I'm just going to complete my statement one second, and then I'll get to your question. I would love to see X-Men explored using more of like a social justice parameter. Well, yeah, because you could very much mutant minorities. Right. And I think that that would be such a fantastic approach to go to to in today's age. And like you could say about why they're so afraid to come forward, because they know that minorities will have persecution. You could even have you know, Professor X be like a, a Martin Luther King character. You could have um, Magneto be like a Malcolm X character. You could even go, will be so brave and so smart as you ca- cast those characters as people of color. Like, it would be so cool to see like a black Wolverine, yeah. a black um, Professor X. Kitty Pride. What's that? Kitty Pride. Yeah. Um, I mean, we got a Although, black storm, but there's we've also a got of, a non-black we storm. Could, we should, yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> no, it'll be like a dark-skinned uh, storm, because she's from Kenya. All right, we need Michaela. A Michaela Cole as storm was a really big rumor at one point. When they were doing uh, Black Panther 2, she when because she, she's in it, she was cast in it. Mm, yeah. A lot of people were like, that's my storm. I actually know a girl who plays Storm at Sounds like uh no Universal. Oh like cool. she is Storm cool. according to like, you know, everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um she's really cool. And she does the um storm, like the clean cut bald um storm. Are you talking about like the 
the Mohawk? Nope, just nothing. Oh, here. Oh, okay, cool. And like the cool contacts, and like yeah, she really embodied the character. Cool. And... Um, yeah, I'm hoping, cool. I'm hoping that that and I, I movie, not a television show with X Men, uh, unless it's the animated series, which is that they keep saying they're bringing back, but I haven't seen yet. Um, I want a, I want a movie. I want it to be part of the MCU, but I want it to be standalone. I want, I want it to be. You don't want Spider Man to swing through. Nope. I don't want Spider-Man to swing through. I think he'd be the most likely to swing through. He's always up in everybody's business. Well, they labeled Miss Marvel as a mutant. I know you were really honed in on the verbiage there. Yes. Well, also, after they said, you're a mutant, they went, da 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 You know, like, to really press it on. But it'd be so cool if they went from, like, a social justice standpoint. Um, and its own movie, um, and then through its own movie, introduce it how it's now part of the MCU. But uh, don't don't use it like as like a, a, a launch off point for like big bad, Venom Two. What big bad either in the Marvel universe or the X Men universe, which are now together, would you want to see them face on the first time? For for sorry for X Men. Yeah. Ah, uh, um, Magneto. Yeah. Easily. Like, well, yeah. I think that would be amazing. Because I think that they could do a villain with a point so well. Yeah. Where, like, they are stopping him, but at the same point, a lot like, of people well, are like, right, a lot of people would be like, well, they have done nothing for us, so, like, why are we protecting them? And honestly, and they're like, we have to protect them because... Honestly, a villain with a point is so much better. Oh, yeah, 100%. The, the the better villains. and I feel like that's also the best way to kind of convey the stakes. Right. Is like, oh, well, you didn't listen to me when I was nice. Right. We asked you nicely a hundred times to stop. You're not going to stop. Well, now, fuck you. You're getting fucked. Getting got. Yeah. Um. So but... yeah. This is not so much about Spider-Verse. It's really a foray deep dive into Loki, but um, we really enjoy it. That's, like, I feel like my fifth watch of that movie. Spider-Verse. Yeah. I'm going to watch the second one. We could do a deep dive of one and two together, or we could do them separately, whichever you wanted. Um, I know... We got to kind of wrap this up because you got to go to lessons. Mm-hmm. Um, that's pretty much all I had to say. Really enjoyed the series. Is there anywhere that they can follow us? Yeah, I'll have that all down for you. Now, if we're still not talking about that show you want us to talk about, or that great movie, or even hey, that book you read the other day then just give us give us a little email. And so if you want to recommend something, it's tvandmoviewrecks at gmail.com. And then if you want just to talk to us, fanofapodcast at gmail.com. Then we'll have all of our links. And we've actually got a fun surprise for everyone. We've got our website launched. Now, we, we don't have our full website built yet. A buddy of mine, Chris, has offered to do that for us, and he's great. So if you ever need any websites built for you, um, I definitely recommend you go through him. Um, he was even willing to host us for a while before I bought the domain, but I really wanted to get it before somebody else did because I didn't want a bidding war. Um, but, yeah. Um, you know where to find us and I'd love it if you went ahead and went over to my NaNoWriMo novel writing podcast and kind of listened and saw where, where I'm heading with that. Um, we were on Apple right now. We're just sort of working on our networking and, um, it's been a little while since we've had a guest, so I'd love to link up and 
you know, talk to somebody about something. So, yeah, just let us know. Um, as always, it's a pleasure. We love doing this. It's so much fun. And we will see you next time. Goodbye. <laughs>